I'm a moon ghost. <laughs> when you die on the moon, you become a moon ghost. It's just When science. you die on the moon, you die in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just moon rules. <laughs> There's no moon rules here, boy. He died on the moon. Oh, is he okay? <laughs> well, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was common knowledge that if you died on the moon, you also died in real life. <laughs> My name is... Mr. Sour Pickle. They are the visionaries. Rappling hood. Help you. Close up with people. We're getting on my nerves, horse. We can't ever go back to Arizona. I need a How did JFK get the spaghetti video? To help them fight Mondragon. Hey, everybody. It's Saturday morning, Tuesdays. We're back. We're back forever. And if you subscribe <laughs> to Time as a Linear Notion, you probably have heard that um, a week ago. Mm. But it's yeah. worth mentioning every single point in the chronological order of Saturday and Tuesdays that we as a group believe in time. I think yeah. it's important to say. I, I think, think it's important. I think somebody to say. needs to come out and say that we believe somebody in time as a linear construct. It. Yeah. Yeah. Who who's gonna who's gonna be the person who gets up on the podium and finally says once and for all, I believe <laughs> that time is a linear construct. I think it's us. I think it's well. It's you right now. You're it's very great for doing podcast it. Podcast about children's cartoons, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We're so glad to be back with you. And if you dare try to play this out of order so that this makes more sense, that way it would be a crime mm-hmm. in our new in our in our new time in our, our new uh, temporalocracy. <laughs> yeah, sure. We can use Latin if you want. <laughs> hey, what's uh, what's your name? Oh, I'm the Time King, Rory. <laughs> uh, and I'm a I'm a time bandit named Andy. Oh, and I'm the I'm the attractive time prince, Austin. <laughs> Why did you have to? I, I didn't know we could say we were attractive. <laughs> well, you write the rules of the game as you're playing it, and you can't go back and add it later, Andy, or you will know. No. <laughs> Don't tell me what to don't tell me what I can't do. We control time. I just got busted out of a time loop and now we're already like we're yeah. back in this like What know. a great episode this week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> well, we learned we were gods of time. We could do what we want. That's true. We, this is the natural this is just the natural repercussions of of our meddling. Yeah. <laughs> And now that the the pores, I'm sure, are not listening, we, I, I'm gl- I'm glad that we've we've told them our lie that time is a linear construct. <laughs> only, only, yeah. o- only us us elite time gods can change change it how we wish, and uh, and and fuck them, and just fuck them every <laughs> all the time, just forever. Oh wait, this isn't a Patreon episode. This is going out to everybody. Fuck. Okay. So from a certain perspective, uh, it's already of, of happened. Time. <laughs> yeah, from a certain <laughs> perspective, that's already happened. But from another equally valid perspective, we haven't done this in five weeks, and it's perhaps showing. Mm. Or is it? Or is it? But when are we? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's right. It's the Saddam boys are lost in time. And <laughs> in order to cope with being lost in time, we're going to watch some Magical Girl episodes of television. Yeah, this is, the, this is the week where we have to say goodbye to Star vs. the Forces of Evil. No, uh, please don't. Which I'm sad <laughs> about, but we have to move on to other things. But uh, let's not put the cart before the horse, because as we all know... Time is a linear construct. <laughs> yeah, in our, in our realm, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but not for you. <laughs> We can put carts and horses in whatever order we please because Austin, the attractive time prince, wills it so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Rory, the time king, gives a silent nod from up on his mm. ivory tower. Yes. Mm. Yes. Uh, no, for real. Yes. Uh, we should We should talk <laughs> about it. Let's get back into the Sailor Moon zone, yeah? Let's do it. Let's time right in. Well, I'm so happy to to have the time to see you all again. Uh, and that was half-assed. Does that oh, did it read as half-assed? Time yes. is it? <laughs> but when are you? Uh, when we are is we're at at Sailor Moon episode fifty-eight. Trouble comes thundering down, and I'm so happy to again be watching Sailor Moon R. I know, like. You know, we just came back to it in a way, but like we've also haven't I haven't watched Sailor Moon in five weeks. So like No, exactly. it's also been no time at all. Right. <laughs> and so I'm just I'm glad to watch this final I'm show. I'm so again. glad. And I this one especially uh yeah. tickled your yes. tickled the king. So just tickled the king. This was good. So <laughs> let's let's get the uh synopsis going here. So continuing yeah. her search for the silver crystal in the midst of a droid attack. A saddened Rini accidentally causes a gravitational disturbance with her great magical strength and power. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's 10% of the episode. <laughs> God, I really, so just to, just to get the serious thought out of the way first, uh, we, we have skipped a few episodes at this point. Uh, in huh. order to condense this arc down to uh, a, a length that wasn't going to just completely destroy our podcast for like a bunch of months, uh, but we're going to skip it, like five episodes. In other ways, it doesn't. That's actually surprising to me because it did not feel like we skipped anything. Right. No. And it's, yeah, I mean, that, and that's been the sort of pattern. If, I, if, if, if Sailor Moon is, is deserving of sort of one criticism, Except the first half of the season is a lot of chafe. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it, Separate we only, the wheat from the chafe? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to blow him up for his pronunciation right now, live on air? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking about getting chafed by all that. By that wheat? All that wheat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, we skipped, I think, two episodes here. We sk- maybe uh, we skipped one, one about Sailor Mercury, uh, maybe going to study abroad in Germany and then not going. Okay. And then we skipped one about Ray's grandpa, I guess, uh, which I was sad about because I always liked that horn dog. But he is silly. Um, <laughs> but both of them were uh, anime original or at least definitely filler. Um, and we went to this one 
And I'm kind of glad we did because if any character needs a little more time with the audience right now, it's Rini. Yes. And I liked I liked this one for getting to to sort of see a little bit more what's ticking in her head. Um, yeah. I also like this paired back to back with the last episode we watched, which we should remind listeners was a mm. real a very special episode of Sailor Moon. Uh, uh, where... Somebody's not adhering to the great law of time <laughs> as a linear construct. The one law of our of our domain. <laughs> I I just I'm just trying to say that it was a really crazy episode last week last time. Remind you know, me actually I what, because Serena Serena <laughs> broke up with Darian. Oh, that's right. Darian, I, I mean, it's Darian the other way around. Up, right, Darian broke up with Serena, and it was yeah like because of some freaky visions he's had, and super he's like, no, emotional. I can't be with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's and, the status quo that we find ourselves in. They are not dating, and it is upsetting to Serena. Right, and it carries over this episode as well. Carries over that same energy of things being different and being the the format being kind of shaken up, and it not mm-hmm. really following the same structure that most episodes do. And so, this really does feel like a part two to the 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 one we yeah. watched before. Yeah, that now, analogy shut makes up sense about. To me. <laughs> Now y'all need to shut the fuck up about everything that isn't Prisma and Thunderclap. Uh because Droid this Thunderclap. <laughs> the droid named Thunderclap. Droid well, Thunderclap. They, they only announced it as a single name, Droid Thunderclap. Yeah. And I love her. And we don't really see how great she is till the end of the episode, but the name the name signals how dope this uh-huh. this character is gonna be. Yeah, if you just imagine like Harley Quinn, like Margot Robbie Harley Quinn with like uh, PlayStation Two era SingStar technology <laughs> and a big and a big marching band drum, and that's kind of what's happening. Yeah, oh, she's, she's the wonderful. Nick Cannon of the Sailor Moon universe. <laughs> 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 she, uh, this is if, if uh, tell me tell me if I'm doing a disservice to the plot, but the the Nega Moon sisters' whole deal uh, and their and their friend Rubius or brother Rubius, it's hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> it's just their friend uh, that Gil- hangs out. Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Rubius uh, and the Negamoon sisters. Their plot here is that, well, we know Serena's greatest fear is thunder. So let's just make a storm. And so they spot, they summoned the droid thunderclap. And uh, yeah, so she she's like this weird mix of concepts where like visually she's got like a plus and minus like electric charge. She's thing she's going. got an electric she's got an electric snare drum, a hair dryer, and can summon <laughs> yeah. rain. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> and, and 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 this trend that we're getting of these of these monsters that get summoned just having these like lady voices that are just kind of gravelly like oh yeah <laughs> I summon the services of Droid Thunderclap I assume I assume the hairdryer is just supposed to be kind of part of the cosmetology theme that runs through these villains. I mean, it's the yeah. only way to to sort of cause the wind, right? Because the, the the drum is supposed oh, to be the, the thunder. Wind. The wind, it's okay, the thunder, sure. and then she has like electric plugs for the like maybe for the lightning, and then the hairdryer is wind, but it doesn't cohesively. You know, no. she should have had a wind instrument, right? Like she should have had sure. like a flute or something. Oh yeah, she's like a one-woman marching band. That could have right. been fun. Like a harmonica. But- she had the harmonica thing around her face <laughs> that would then blow wind instead of a hairdryer, which kind of yeah shattered the the aesthetic. 
Yeah, but you're right in that they do need to kind of they're, they're attempting to sort of draw visual connection between all these bad guys with a cosmetology theme uh, because they're all the the Negamoon sisters are heavily makeuped and they talk about it. Like the first line out of one of them is, "Well, what do you think? Is this black lipstick gonna make it with my corpse-like pallor?" I know. <laughs> I love that line. Uh, it's <laughs> it's so decadent and strange. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and I love that she just like. Oh, does this make me look too alive? <laughs> <laughs> See, it's so weird when this show's dub is so uneven because you have these really fun authored lines like that. And then you have whatever happened. They dropped the ball in the second half of this episode because even in the first half, there's weird lines that don't yeah, really add up. There are always weird lines, but it, this this had such a like when Tuxedo Mask shows up at the very end. We're gonna just to just to jump oh to the very God. end. The the Ugh. dialogue, like I don't know what happened. It was it yeah, might I be believe, the yeah. worst. You used your drum for evil and must now be stopped by me. Is that <laughs> yeah. what you're referencing? Yeah, that whole this whole sort of <laughs> monologue at the end of Tuxedo Mask is just <laughs> like the whole thing has has just plummeted to the basement. And I don't know why. It's also it was also confusing at the beginning when they they're like, yeah, Serena's least favorite thing is lighting. And well, it's so weird. She and she says like, I hate it when it downpours. Like I hate being stuck without an umbrella in a typhoon. Like the fucking duh. we all do. Yeah, we all. Nobody yeah. likes that. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody fears death. Everybody doesn't. Nobody likes loud noises. No, I mean. It turns out Serena's greatest fear is dying. (laughs) Oh, shit. We've been doing the wrong approach. Uh, But, you know, they were talking about Rini, like, in the beginning. They were talking about Rini. um, And, you know, it took half the episode to understand that. Yeah, it's a ham-fisted attempt to draw a parallel between Rini and Serena as, as, like, oh, they have the same fears, you know, because they're mom and daughter. But we haven't really, like, addressed this yet, right? Does anybody here fear the same things as their mom? Just as a, no. as a side. Yeah. <laughs> no. And that's no. so wild. We're doing okay, this is a first for SMT. We're do, we're gonna talk about the Sailor we're Says talk right about our moms. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about the Sailor Says right now because <laughs> it's basically just deal with your fears. Try to understand why you're scared. And then Mina l- leans in huge to the camera and goes, I like to talk to my mom. <laughs> I like to talk to mommy because she's afraid of the same things I am. It's like, what? That That is a wild <laughs> assumption to make. That makes no sense. Does anyone? Yeah, I, I second Roy's question. Austin? I mean, you know, my mom and I bonded over my over our, our mutual fears of death. Um, yeah. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> It's just it's just a weird thing to to call out like you know how your mom's scared of the same things you are cuz you're the same person just like in this show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't this is it's an cuz this arc is messy, you know? Like this is a yeah. this is a weird messy arc that's also kind of great. Um mm-hmm. but it yeah, I, I don't it's it's lost in this weird Freudian Oedipal thing boy howdy that's that's living well, at the center of it uh you know i think they call Reverse it not, not 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 to get not to get all binary on you but i think they call it an electric complex when it's a woman wanting to get with right dad right but you know there's there's all kinds of stuff going on here and actually and i i think in fairness darian and rini are 
fairly wholesome. It's Serena that's kind of constantly injecting this strange sexual tension. That's true. Yeah. That's true. It does feel like she's the only one who's kind of making it weird. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I get my, I'm I'm blinded by this trope happening too often in anime where uh, it does kind of cross that Re- line. Rini's pushing that. Rini's pushing it for sure. Yeah, yeah. But Serena is constantly jealous of a five year old child, and that's weird. <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> um. So the the whole center of this episode is kind of just this melancholy. The storm has cast like a pallor over the whole episode, basically. Yeah. And Rini is gone. She is at her swim class. She's at a swim lesson at school so, with right. like other other kids her age. This so I I commented in our thread that this is a like an oddly sexual episode. And I suppose that was not quite right. But w- between the Oedipal stuff and some weird subtext and some directly sexual stuff, it just feels like there's a lot going on under the hood in this one. And it it starts actually at the swimming pool where Rini's talking to this boy and he's crying, and he mm-hmm. has and, and she's like, oh look at this, look at this boy. Boys don't cry. And I like his retort, which was just like, says who? Yeah, she has nothing to say to that. She's got no response. (laughs) She's got no response. But then his beta dad drives up in a big pink van to pick him up. And it feels like intentional. Maybe not. It could just be some. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's an absurdly large van. (laughs) At first, it looks like the Humvee limo. (laughs) Yeah. From the framing of the camera, but then yeah, it's just a, it's just a just a long van, just a man in a long van. You know, long, I mean, long long van. <laughs> it's you know, it's it does take me back to the pre cell phone days, definitely. <laughs> um, oh yeah, with with all the kids waiting for their parents to show up, not knowing, not and, having any and, way of knowing yeah. when they're gonna get there, right? And then and then we cut to Sammy in short shorts and a crop top, being a sassy bitch. It just felt really Sammy's outfit weirds me out. And and not like <laughs> yeah. not like it's weird, but like but like it's markedly different from the way everyone else dresses in this show. It's and I don't true. know if I, I can't tell what's intentional, right? Because he's got it almost looks like he's wearing Sailor Moon's sailor outfit, but it like it like rests lower on his shoulders. Yeah, I think that's a boat neck sleeve, actually. Um, what the fuck what is that? What's a boat neck sleeve? A, a boat neck. Those, that's a, those are three different things. <laughs> Look, I wrote for Zulu. I, I, sleeve is wrong. No, no, I, I didn't mean to say no. But I think it's a boat neck <laughs> where that sort of goes down around the edges. Uh, you know, like a, you know, like a looser, a looser it's fit not, yeah. around the neck. It's not a very. It's not. It's not. It's not a very masculine. Uh, look. No, but no. there's also there was also this like weird time in the late '80s and early '90s. Some might say a, a, a golden time uh, when we see, we'd see dudes like <laughs> like Will Smith were having these crop top these like crop top shirts, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was like that was peak fashion, and uh, <laughs> you know it's just is it is a different time. It's just uh, odd to see like Sammy's the only person that's yeah, ever. It felt dressed. it felt like so sequentially it does happen right after the the yeah. scene with the with the beta dad and his long van. We just the, at some point the beta stuff is, has has crossed over from parody. 
<laughs> no, it just it just felt like at three at like boys don't cry, dad like dad in the pink van, and then Sammy. It just felt really uh, like at at three at three instances you can no longer sort of hand wave it away anymore. Yeah, like as someone trying to say something, like what yeah. is this perspective? Um, but I think Darian's yeah. in pink too. Is he? Yeah, but Darian. I, wasn't, pulls no, it I didn't off. notice. Oh yeah, Darian. I mean, they all. Well, Darian's a hunk. <laughs> God, uh, this this like, I I don't know. I mean, Serena's worried because uh because Rini hasn't come home, and so she goes out looking for Rini, and Rini gets freaked out because she's scared by the thunder, and she runs off on her own. And while Serena's out running around, she runs into Darian, and they have this. Uh, <laughs> Well, first of all, she gives again the, the yes. Canadianest. I'm Canadianest. I'm sorry. Sorry. It's it's not even the most Canadian. It's like also just out of character. Like it it sounds like the the yeah, voice she actor. Her voice. She yeah. like drops her Serena voice. She just sounds like an, an old woman who's just like. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and he has to again do this whole like, Serena, you can't just jump into my arms when things get scary. We are not dating. And then immediately, like, as if to push the knife in farther, is like, but I definitely will help you go find Reedy because Reedy's dope. And she's like, yeah. you aren't. <laughs> like, you could tell in her head, she's like, you are dating her. Well, like, it's, it's all it's all the healthy boundaries I wanted from, like, the season one, where it's just like, hey, by the way, I'm 100 years older than you. This is inappropriate. <laughs> you can't just, you can't be doing this shit. But now that they've already, they've already, you know, wrapped tongues together. Yeah, like a little present, like a Christmas present. Like a Christmas present. Like they turn their tongues into a Christmas bow. It's an extra weird moment where Darian pulls away from her, but it's also like pouring rain. And he's, he's the one with the umbrella. He's got the only umbrella. <laughs> he's got the only umbrella and he backs away from her. He's like, I'm sorry, Serena, we can't do this anymore. And... <laughs> And then Serena's like, ah, oh, he's such a great guy. As he's like walking away with an umbrella and she's like left in the, she's, in the rain. She's, yeah. in, a, she's like, in a rain jacket, to be fair. I know she's in a rain jacket and he's not. So like it makes yeah, sense. It it but it's. <laughs> and there it's is so a fun funny, line. Though. He's walking away and it, we just cut to her um, inner monologue as she's watching those buns bounce away. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Darian is such a great guy. And he used to be my great guy. <laughs> so wish I could tight be, hams. Yeah, wish he could be my great guy. Wish I could be buried yeah. in those hams. <laughs> Bury me in the, when I die, I want to be buried in those hams. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Rini's time travel key. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know how much this is a, a reveal per, per se, but like it oh, is maybe a reveal that she... Yeah. Well, I don't know, but like... I think, well, I mean, obviously she traveled through time. That was, that was clear enough from the get-go. But. And I got to say, I'm, I, I have said it. I, I, have, uh, I have screened myself blue in the face about this uh, with, between Serena and Luna. But now mm-hmm. that we've introduced that the Luna, the Luna cat, the Luna, what is it called? The Luna, Luna ball. Luna ball. There's some sort of, uh, Luna has some ability to, to converse across time. And she's just as withholding and manipulative with Rini as she is with Serena. Oh, God. It's just so upsetting. Yeah, and I got like a real nefarious vibe off of Luna Ball. 
God, it like, feels wrong. It feels like this. It feels like the Luna Ball is up to no good. Well, and it, it it's coupled with this background music. Here, I'm gonna play it. It says, "She says too dangerous. I know you're awfully young, but you've got to be brave, little one. To save your mum's life, we have to find that silver crystal. I'm sorry, Rini, but you can't leave here till you find it. You're a good girl, Rini. Don't worry, everything will be okay." And it really seems like she wants that silver crystal to like destroy yeah. the earth or something yeah 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 it it's seems like, weird also like she is very small and it is kind of a nice moment to see Rini, who otherwise has been very tough like she did her first scene ties, yeah. her first scene she had a gun in serena's yeah. face, yes you know True. she was like i'm gonna fucking shoot you in the face and she does um <laughs> but but then like <laughs> To see her for the first time drop the toughness when she's all alone and, and mm-hmm. like it's thunder and lightning and she's lost and scared and she like misses her parents for the first time and we actually see her drop the guard and it's it's kind of nice. But then, yeah, she's also t- talking about time travel and wanting to go back home. And uh, yeah, and then she causes some kind of gravity anomaly. Yeah, yeah, definitely unexplained. And she didn't know that she could do it. Um, but she like freaks out and holds her key and, and it sort of locally affects only the sailor scouts and her, I guess. She, they're um, all in the same building sort of inexplicably. There, mm, there's, yeah. It's something, it's something that they don't really, they address it, but they don't explain or comment on in any meaningful way. They've all been sort of supernaturally drawn to this one building. Supposedly yeah. because Rini's in the basement hiding out, I guess. Yeah. Right. The, the non-Serena sailor scouts are all like, well, yeah, we were just like going to go study and, oh, I was going to go get a shake and we met each other in the parking lot. It's like a lot of weird explanation for why they're all like hanging out together. Also, also there's a, there is a, a, I have to, I have to bring this up, an extremely mystifying exchange. Sexual moment? Where, no, I was going to say, where, where they say. Well, both stories sound karmic. Yeah, I knew we were meant to meet up here, don't you think? Yeah, but there's one of us missing, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, Serena doesn't have a karmic bone in her body, except for food. I know. It's, it's very <laughs> weird. And also, she was there. They could see Serena through the window. Like, they were all drawn yeah. to this one place. <laughs> she was Does about to get mean? a bone. Then they all, uh, in, in when the gravity uh, displacement takes effect, all of the girls' dresses float up. Uh, Ray's face goes uh, straight up Venus's dress. It does. Um, yeah. It really does. Yeah. And she's There's, like, hey, can you not? <laughs> they, they, they play it for a gag and it is funny. But like I said, this is also like after a long train of strange sexual moments that have happened this episode. But I'm like, what is happening? Who I wonder is, if there's just some directors over here. If there's just like some directors of this show who like get a little weird with it, you know? I guess yeah. so. I wouldn't I wouldn't put that past him. Like uh, there there is there's a little bit of fun like slapstick comedy to be had with, you know, the gravity's the gravity has been, you know, reversed and all these girls in like frilly billowy dresses are just having a hard time with it. Like that's yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh but like I said, in the context of this entire episode, it just felt like one more weird thing that didn't serve any purpose other than to be weird and sexual. Yeah. So I, I will say one of my biggest disappointments of the episode was hoping that they were actually going to do more with this gravity yeah, anomaly. It's not th- I think they're mm-hmm. setting it up for later that Rini's got some this sort of gravity power. 
That's my only yeah, that's my I only guess. Probably. Yeah, but so so Serena shows up because the gravity anomaly and the the beam of light from Rini's forehead draws in a droid thunderclap. Droid and thunderclap. <laughs> our girl, and our enter. girl of the hour. <laughs> um and yeah, and so so then Serena comes in, transforms Sailor Moon, and then she's in the gravity anomaly and I was really hoping then it would be like cool zero G version of a Sailor Moon fight. Uh, yeah, but yeah, no, they yeah. have those stock animations, so they're gonna. Well, I just guess mm-hmm. I, I guess it enables the the uh, the hair dryer to be more effective, but it's that's a pu- <laughs> that's pushing it. They cut away from the Sailor Scouts in zero G, and Jupiter is just like. You know, helplessly trying to swim through zero G like it's water, and it's a it's a much funnier <laughs> yeah. moment with a better payoff than the weird like head in the butt under the dress. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Jupiter's like having a good time. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm there's a there's a great moment where there's like the camera keeps going back and forth between Serena freaking out and droid thunderclap being menacing, and they're just making like <laughs> groaning noises at each other, and Serena's like. <laughs> Droid Thunderclap re-enters the episode in one of the best ways we've seen in Sailor Moon. She's just just having a blast beating on her drum and flying around town. She and like singing the funeral march. I'm so happy that we've got these Monster of the Weeks back because they Monsters of the Week. Sorry, it's like Attorney's General. They're consistently the funniest part of this show. Yeah, well, Droid, um, Droid Thunderclap is an A-lister, for sure. I, yeah, we got to make one of those those very memeable tier lists. This is top five. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know, but the, but the fight just resolves as quickly as usual, and uh, Tuxedo Mask shows up, as always, and throws a rose right through her drum. That's a dick move. Yeah, yeah, and he throws the rose... And then we get that horrible dialogue, which I'd like to just play in its entirety right now. <laughs> you used your drum to terrorize innocent people, and that cannot be tolerated. You used your drum for evil, and that must now be stopped by me. Ugh. I'm going to make you dance to my beat, lady, instead of drumming to the beat of evil. One thing I did like is that when he, when they're like landing from the zero G, uh, Tuxedo Mask is really trying to do his normal cool vibes, but he steps on a soda can and just trips like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that is that was really nice. <laughs> There's no real payoff on it. It's just it's nice to see him look like a fucker. Uh huh. <laughs> and then we finish this episode out with uh, with Rini's rendition of this old man, except singing about Tuxedo Mask and how much he's dope. Rain or shine, I'm happiest when I'm with Tuxedo Mask. And Serena oh. tries to hide her bitterness. I, I thought they were just, I, I forgot that was a public domain because it's just the Barney song also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, oh my right. God. You went to Barney yeah, song man, first? My brain with the Barney song. I don't know. I love you. I don't want to get sued by Barney. By PBS. Notoriously litigious PBS. Sorry, you've just been served. What? You don't cross the dinosaur <laughs> on our watch, bitch. <laughs> Do you think Barney's lawyers are dinosaurs? 
Baby Bop Esquire shows up at your <laughs> fucking arraignment. <laughs> Yeah. Oh Hello. boy, you're back again. We're back again. All three of us are in the room, but it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time. It's time to dance for our money. It's time to earn. It's time to earn, baby boy. It's time to get out on the street and earn a few bucks for the for the television show that we make. <laughs> uh, ready and willing. All right. So so this time around, <laughs> this time around Saturday morning Tuesdays everybody is brought to you by the world's most dangerous salad. And if Austin will take mm. it away, yeah. Okay. So, of course, you know, it's with a heavy heart that we always remember, of course, Jack um, from the Titanic, who <laughs> who died, you know, who died saving Rose. Um, and he's that's too big I, for doors. Right. He's too big for doors. And I always think of Titanic as a beautiful, sad love story and just a tragedy of all those deaths. And mm. what better way to commemorate the sinking of the Titanic, ti- the Titanic, <laughs> the sinking of that beautiful ship, the Titanic, um, then with an iceberg lettuce salad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry, this isn't funny. <laughs> you're right. And so that is why I've been making what I like to call you know, honorably, in honor of all those those people we lost on the Titanic all those years ago. Um, the what? The Titanic. Um, mm. I've been making this salad that I call the world's most dangerous salad. <laughs> Again, out of respect. And <laughs> it is, of course, with iceberg lettuce. Uh, and then it's got blue cheese little icebergs um, mm. as well that you know symbolizes the, the the cold water that all the people were in and then i Blue covered cheese it is the in, most dangerous cheese right and then i covered it in craisins which i like to think of our all the the people from the boat that are that are out there and so i hope that when you eat the salad and you order it at our saturday morning tuesdays online <laughs> restaurant um which is what we're kind of you know backdoor advertising for yeah. right now is that you will think about the Titanic and especially Jack, who no, I'm sorry, uh, is wait, also... wait, wait, I'm so sorry. Uh, the Titanic is a different boat crash. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about the the Titanic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so please think about it when you're eating and when you're ordering the world's most da- dangerous salad, which is just a lot of <laughs> craisins <laughs> with craisins and iceberg lettuce and blue cheese. Also, there's a diamond in the middle uh, for you to find, and that's Jack, and also the heart of the ocean. Dumb. The dumbest ad <laughs> we've ever done. Following that linear progression of time, we are now on our second segment, uh, which follows the first one, I believe, if I'm doing this correctly, right? Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. Good. I wasn't sure things have gotten a little topsy turvy around here in the time. Oh, no, they kingdom. haven't. Oh, no, they haven't. 
You're right. They've stayed delightfully tur- turvy topsy the way Their it's clocks supposed are to be. Unmelted. <laughs> <laughs> They're nice and hard and cold. <laughs> like a clock my, should be. Like my a nice clock hard clock. <laughs> oh, Salvador Dali's hard clock. None of those uh, Seattle soft clocks. Warm 106. <laughs> Hey, this is uh, this is our our final two short episodes of Star Wars: The Forces of Evil, and the first one we're going to talk about is Eight A called Blood Moon Ball. Star's ex boyfriend Tom invites her to the Blood Moon Ball, an underworld event that occurs once every six hundred and sixty seven years. Tom claims he's turned over a new leaf, having hired an anger management consultant. Marco does not believe Tom has changed, but Star decides to go anyway. When Marco disrupts Tom's plan to stay to take Star for himself under the Blood Moon's light. Tom reverts to his old self. Uh, yeah. And this one introduces a major character, Tom Lucitor. Uh, I never got uh, the last name. Did I miss that uh, in yes. the episode? No, or? I don't know if they mentioned it. His last okay. name is Lucitor. Ah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a, uh-huh. It's mm-hmm. a big, big kind of sounding last name. And he's got a, he's got a great, I really like this introduction of Tom. It paints him as the problem that he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, this is. Uh, I hate to do it, folks. If you, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about something a little bit out of order. <laughs> um. Yeah, a little spoiler. No, well, it's just that. So, so the thing with Tom is that they conflate his anger management and sort of it. Because they were dating, we've got this sort of strange, abusive ex-boyfriend sort of undertones, mm-hmm. and right. then it's 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 linked to the fact that he's the prince of hell. That it's just his nature that he can't right. help himself. He's trying to be better, but he's a demon. What can you do? It's gross, and I don't like it. Yeah, and I think I think if you can, uh, you you kind of have to get past that to enjoy the show, right? You do. Like, and, and and honestly, from here on out, they just shouldn't have ever been an official couple. And that solves a lot of problems with, with the uh-huh. metaphor that they're, that they're using. Mm. Yeah. But I, I know what you're saying. There's a, and obviously this is a little bit of uh, inside baseball for people who've actually seen the rest of the show. Obviously, Austin, you're coming at this fresh. I'm interested in, your, in what you think about it, looking at it from the outside, but, but you're, you're not wrong in that they could have made this a cleaner thing, especially given, the sort of directions that they want to take Tom later. Um, I don't think it's completely yeah, a huge the redemp- spoiler. The redemption arc yeah. starts to make it feel even ickier as you're like, right. wait, is this an, <laughs> is this uh, some sort of strange spousal abuse guy that we're giving a second chance to for no reason? Or right. uh, is this just a character who's being used as a metaphor? You got to pick a lane. So what, what do you, what do you think Austin watching this first one? Um, I guess I would say, you know, n- not all of that leapt out to me just also because mm-hmm. I was learning the, you know, everything that right. was happening as I was watching it. Um, you know, I, I think I, I quite enjoyed this episode. Um, oh, yeah. 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 No, like um, I said, if you, you, you can, uh, you could turn your brain off a little bit and not in a bad way, just you don't have to come at everything from a, like an English paper point of view. You can allow totally. it to, to sort of, uh, the metaphor to not stick. Uh, exactly as it does in your craw. And that's okay, mm-hmm. too. So basically what happens is, yeah, I mean, basically this hell chariot shows up. Yeah, yeah. she's in school. At school. She- yeah. 
which is it's a cool design. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of the the stuff with Tom, the stuff from Hell, is really cool. And and I don't actually love most of the time love the art style the show has picked to go with. Um, mm. It's it's not like you know it's it's just not the most visually appealing to me of 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 all animated shows. Right? Like it doesn't suck. It's just not not my favorite. But when it uh-huh. does do cool design work, you really notice. Um, when it has interesting stuff to do, like the, the manacled or the, uh, the like weird shackled gargoyle demon that's carrying the, mm-hmm. the like yeah. coach, uh, to hell. Um, like he's in stocks, I guess. Right. Like he's like flying yeah, in he's stocks in and stocks. he's also like carrying this, this <laughs> yeah, He's like a bus driver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I like, yeah, I like a lot of the visual stuff they do. One of my favorite jokes in this episode is is the uh, the like skeletal horse that that uh, <laughs> pulls Tom's carriage at the beginning. Um, Star makes some offhand comment about like, nope, 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 nope. You need to leave right now. Take your carriage and fire and dead horse and go back to the underworld. And he like looks back and he goes, "Wait, I'm dead." <laughs> and, like, There's just, also. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's a hilarious scene later. Uh, I guess not that much later, actually, because yeah, where there's this skeleton who is chained to a wall, about oh, yeah. to have uh-huh. his pelvis smashed with a sledgehammer, and is <laughs> really into it. Yeah, he's <laughs> so excited to just get his crotch wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then. Is it Tom also Tom who walks by and is like, hey, guys, can we just like hey, keep this not, PG? Can we? Can, yeah. <laughs> can we keep this yeah. PG when Star shows up? And then can one we, of them. Can we not do the crotch smashing? <laughs> <laughs> My ex is about to show yeah. up. So, like, you know. Yeah. So Tom is trying to get Star to go to the Blood Moon Ball with him. And as we find out later, it's part of a arguably pretty nefarious plot to link their souls together yeah, for eternity. It it's it's neat. It doesn't have huge impact because we haven't seen the show really attach itself to serial storytelling yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this just feels like a, another monster doing another monster thing. At the Totally. And, which is cool. Which works. Yeah. And and you know, obviously the 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 angle that we're going is like, you know, boyfriend ex-boyfriend who had a lot of problems acts like he's changed and is trying to yoke himself to her again because through a curse through a a curse curse. yes and it's fucked up and i like that i like that it's fucked up um at least in this episode you know uh, it, it it kind of you know to what rory and i were talking earlier it it kind of paints tom in a light that's almost too tough to take back later yeah. Like when we're uh, supposed to try and learn how to like Tom at some point, or at least tolerate Tom as well, he changes. And and Marco literally is like, you don't follow a predator to a secondary location. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I yeah. can't tell if is a John Mulaney reference or is just a reference to like that sort of existing right. wisdom, street smarts sort of wisdom. Um, <laughs> but uh, like literally calling him a predator Yes. In the episode and his introduction is a very strong choice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It super is. And I I have to wonder if 
uh, Darren Nefsey wasn't sure where they were going to go during this season, like wasn't sure how much she wanted to use Tom. Uh Uh-huh. And maybe she would have taken that back. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, they, they set up a lot of really upsetting things about Tom and it's really tough to take back. And then they, they complicated further at the end of the episode where she tells Marco like, hey, I'm 14. I can handle a demon. Uh, (laughs) Which is like. Part of you wants to be like in 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 the world of magical girls. Fourteen is a gra- is a grown woman. Also, incredible in the real world, incredibly susceptible to predatory. Uh, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> However, the line and I think the sort of ultimate like moral center or the outcome of the episode was, I think, interesting and good. Which was it was the, interesting. Was the I know you're trying to look out for me, but you have to let me figure things out on my own. I don't need a hero. I need a friend. Yes, like, it's very true. Yeah, because she, she's mad at Marco for Marco essentially trying to show up in White Knight, right? Like, he's right. like, no, you shouldn't get back together with your toxic ex, and I'm going to show up to make sure it happens. It's like, her point is that she did, he didn't trust her to make the decisions for herself, and I like right. It would have been a great moment to include Marco's parents, to have, the, to have Marco's dad be like, this is fucked up. Yeah, we're, going, we're I'm taking I'm taking Star back to the house. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, yeah, so like I think there's I liked the episode because there is kind of a lot happening here. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot um, to unpack from this conversation. That's I mean it, it's mm-hmm. and you don't know exactly where to draw the line, especially later. Which uh, I mean, this episode not not because of what happens later, but like everything that's happening here is it remains as nebulous and uncomfortable for quite for pretty much it does. the whole show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, I you know, I, I still I, enjoy this sort of this sort of reversal where we are on Marco's side basically for Yeah, it's true. for the episode until Star kind of like puts up a, a like kind of checks us. Kind of checks everybody. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and and you know, it's worth noting like there there's always that there's always that like uh marco's not her dad is i guess the real the real point that we could make right is that he he doesn't get to make any sort of sweeping decisions for her benefit or on her behalf for her own good like that's kind of a fucked up place for him to put himself i mean even for if, a dad too even for a dad but even a but like a dad might have been able or a mom right it doesn't matter but like you know what i mean he if they could step in and be like i don't know if this is Right. Like I see as the legal guardian of this child, (laughs) as a legal guardian of this child, I saw how much he hurt you before. And I don't want you to fall into this trap. Right. And if it's obviously her prerogative to fall back in and learn that again and then be hurt again. And I can understand the impetus to not want her to get hurt, but it does infringe on her ability to be a person. And so like (laughs) we could have seen a flashback where he just gets angry and yells at some demon. And that's the end of it. And she doesn't like it. Uh-huh. Because the not knowing allows the imagination to take this metaphor to the nth degree. Right. Exactly. What? Because we don't know their we don't know their past them. relationship, and we never mm-hmm. learn that. No. No, we don't. Uh, and so, so yeah, it's it's a complex thing that they've got going on, and I like it because it's complex. But obviously, I've already, we've already said what our reservations are for what it meant for story going forward. Um, a couple moments that I really liked. Uh, there is a um, there is. Oh, fuck. Where is it? I'm so sorry. I have my note up and now it's gone. Uh, oh, M- 
Tom wears a button and he has a uh, an anger management coach. And the button says, like, it's been like 55 days since I've been last, last, oh, last yeah. been angry. And the anger management coach is named Brian. And he's, and he's wonderful. Stephen Root. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that was Stephen Root. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And, and every time Tom looks like he's about to fly off the handle, Brian shows up and he's like, walk it out and talk it out. Walk it out and talk it out. Walk it out. <laughs> and there's a really nice payoff moment that I didn't expect at the end when he finally, you know, goes bananas at the end of the party and star encases him in a big block of ice. She uses as her final, like, fuck this. She uses her magic to change his button to say it's been zero days as she walks out of the party. (laughs) Although, and here's, here's a part where star is majorly fucked up because, uh, because Tom is basically an anger rehab as an anger addict. And, And when he's using his coping mechanism, she gets mad at him for like petting his bunny. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's like, yeah. Fuck, this is fucked up too. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it's a, it's deserve a, each other. <laughs> it's a bit, it's a bit messy in terms of what they're trying to say. The, the general effect is good and interesting. I, I still think. Um, yeah. The, the main, the main important thing that happens here, right, is that, is that Marco shows up at this party where the blood, the light of the blood moon is supposed to bind two souls forever. And while Tom is messing with the music, Marco cuts in on the dance and Marco and Star end up in the light. Um, and it's not really addressed in the episode at all, like any sort of implications. It's clear Tom is furious that this has happened. And he's like, that dance was supposed to be for me. But, uh, but nobody like, Nobody talks about it, and Marco and Star certainly don't talk about it, right? Uh, which I think is interesting. We have—I I think I, I wanted to say, um, you know—and I, and I mentioned, like, you know, to what degree are we going to English one hundred and one on the analysis here of these characters? Mm-hmm. And we've skipped a few. This show has proven a fairly adult salience to the topic or to the material that it's handling. Um, there's an episode I think we, you would have already seen by this point. If you were watching them all, uh, mm-hmm. where like kids in high school call the sad teenager hotline. Oh, interesting. I've forgotten about like, this. Yeah. It's, it's got a lot of maturity kind of under the surface. And mm-hmm. so I think it's fair. I think it's, it's fair to hold it to that standard. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's trying to play with the, it's trying to play with bigger boys and, or, you know, you don't have to make mm-hmm. it boys, but you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's trying to, it's trying to be more older entertainment at the same time that it's also, you know, it's trying to get a live on that cusp, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, and, and I, I, I admire it for being there. What, you know, it is also nice to see this sort of Marco star um, romance build. To see them mm-hmm. dance and have a really great time um, when he's wearing a mask and they dance together. And yeah. it's also nice because both um, Star and Marco, I don't feel like I've seen this in too many other shows, but they're both into other people this mm-hmm. whole time. And unlike yes. maybe, say, a Dipper who's like completely obsessed with, you know, with Wendy yeah. or... Oh, he's got big dipper energy. These, uh, these yeah, two episodes. Uh-huh. he does. Yes, um, <laughs> but I, I just I really enjoy seeing something happen between the two of them without one of them being fully trying to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. You can tell there's a there's a budding romance. You don't know where it's going. You don't know where it'll lead. You don't know where it'll end up. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yes, they they're not. Uh, it doesn't feel like they're being forced to be a couple. It feels like, uh, you know, the writers are taking the temperature of the episodes they've written of how the fans are reacting. But these mm-hmm. that this is not some sort of Ross and Rachel situation that's going to be seven <laughs> years in the in the making. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so this next one is called uh, Freeze Day. It's episode 9A. So Star freezes time with her wand so that Marco can appear at Echo Creek Academy on time for his morning greeting nod with his crush, <laughs> Jackie Lynn Thomas. But when she is unable to cancel out the effects, she and Marco visit the Plains of Time in order to get Father Time to restart time again. Um, they should have come to us, first and foremost. That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. Kings of Time. Um, yeah, they the kings of time but you know putting and that aside the, the so father time in the hands of prince <laughs> uh father time is in a little is a little bit kind of a rehash of glossaric but i do love him uh-huh the differences make him really enjoyable yeah because he's got such a childish innocence whereas glossaric is kind of constantly a pill so this mm-hmm. episode to me is also a fun one and a a classic sort of um set fantasy up for, episode well i was gonna say good yeah classic fantasy episode but also of like you feel that 12 minutes of like this is just getting started this is just getting a conversation started it right? could have been a bigger yeah. episode it could have been like a sci-fi like they could have done a star trek with it with full time yeah but, but that, i'm that happy it, with what we got right and it's definitely setting stuff up about this world this feels and like it will be Marco's later. moment, I thought, hit. Yeah. I thought that it, it within 11, 11 minutes, we built, and not even at the end of the episode, it's like seven or eight minutes in, we built yeah, to it's a pretty good. revealing character moment for Marco. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. surprised they took that turn because they didn't have to. They could have just sort of, again, left it be like a Simpsons intro that doesn't ever come back mm-hmm. again, right? Yeah. This, uh, just to, to kind of walk up to it, right? So the, the synopsis hinted at this, but we we establish uh, the, the very first thing that we see is Marco is like overslept and he's freaking out because every day he gets to the school at 7.55 because at 7.56 sharp, Jackie Lynn Thomas, uh, you know, wheels by and they both <laughs> nod at each other. I like that she's this like freewheeling skater chick who always shows up exactly on time. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. We're all and, made of beautiful contradictions, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> and uh and Star blows him up about it. She's like, wait a minute, you just you just nod at her, you don't even say hi. And in a very dipper like moment, he reveals that he has a twenty three step plan. Yeah. Almost the exact same number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so he's on step four, which is continually, you know, consistently nod at each other every day. Consistently nod. <laughs> God. And, uh, Chicks and did yeah, consistency. So they really do. They really do. Uh, and everything goes to shit because he it's 7.54 and he asks Star to stop time for him. And she sarcastically is like, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, but her sarcastic spell absolutely works, and so they freeze time. And it's uh, it's a fun setup, and like you said, they could have Simpsons that, like, we never had to come back to the nod, but it's really nice that uh, later on that that's, like, the, the center, almost, of the whole point of the episode. Totally. So there's a fun moment before we get to the plane of time. Um, mm-hmm. Just because this is 
it's just a little bit of fantasy bookkeeping that you often miss or is often hyper exaggerated when somebody freezes time, they go and play for, you know, five years or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or or some nebulous amount of time. It was like 60 we hours or something. 60, yeah, 60 hours. They had, yeah. you know. Yeah, they had as much fun as they could. And then when they stopped having fun, they were like, oh, okay, we're done. Um, <laughs> yeah. I actually it's really like their montage. They have, uh, there's maybe maybe my favorite one that I've ever seen. And I don't know why I liked it so much, but like just the idea that they would have, they, that we see them eating lunch on top of a car stuck in traffic. And it's it's kind of painful because... We know that Marco's interested in this other girl, and they don't even realize him they're having this like super romantic sixty hour date. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> On the way to 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 flirt with, with a girl, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. He's like fucking killing it with Star. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh as a as a spoiler, I don't know. We can cut this if we want, but as a very slight spoiler, I think it makes total sense that Star catches feelings first. Because Marco is clearly way too distracted. And he's like, again, like you said, killing it with Star. <laughs> uh, and yet all they can think about is Jackie. Um, and so, like, it's really fun. It's really fun. I like the uh, uh, I like the inevitable feeling of it, but they don't have to bash us over the head with it. Especially well, because this whole episode sort of wraps around back to Jackie. Also, also, Marco's whole strategy here is so painfully real, though. This sort of mm-hmm. incremental flirting that's just like, yeah, I've mapped so out the first five years. I'll just sort of look at the person and 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 nod at them. And then, you know, maybe eventually I'll talk to them like a person. Uh, yeah. Is like, shit's real, man. <laughs> we've all, I think we've all been there in, in, in one stage of our life or another. Yes. Um. So they, to solve this problem, they look up in her book. Uh, they find out that Glosseric is frozen too, which to be honest, given what I know, I imagine Glosseric is faking it so he doesn't have to help. <laughs> I think he's faking being frozen. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, but he's frozen too. And, and Marco's like, yeah, fuck that guy. Scrape the sides. <laughs> uh, and they realize there's like, a, there's like a page that says what to do if you freeze time. And they have to go to the planes of time and push the wheel of progress. And... The Planes of Time, I wish had a more interesting look. It's just a play off the usual. It's just the Salvador Dali with the melty clocks. There, it lacks the usual tongue-in-cheek whimsy of their world building. Um, but that being said, we do meet Father Time, voiced by Jim Gaffigan. What is that? Uh, mud? Oh, it's glorious. I love mud. Oh, <laughs> Mm. It doesn't actually sound that much like Jim Gaffigan. He's actually like bothering. No, to he's doing be a his character, inner voice. Yeah, which I like. He's not phoning it in. No. <laughs> yeah. So I, I enjoyed this this as a concept for the episode, um, where essentially time moves on as a linear construct. Uh, big mm-hmm. fan. Um, yeah, huge be- fan because of this like hamster wheel that spins. Yeah. They've sort of combined time with uh, the Atlas mythology, yeah, right? Yeah, uh-huh. Right. Yeah, it, that, it requires actual human power or, or you know, God power, <laughs> to whatever. The, a sentient life form has to, yeah. yeah, has to uphold the flow of time. And because they froze time that one time, he is now free and he's stumbled off of his, his hamster wheel. And now he's like wandering on the plane experiencing life for the first time. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, holy shit, mud is dope. And he's just like covering himself with mud. And he's like, oh, he tries to eat mud and it's gross, but he loves it anyway. Yeah. And they're stuck uh, with a very like Star Trek y sort of logical problem of like, can yeah. we force this guy to go back now that we've. Yeah. Because Atlas is like jaded and trickstery, and Father Time is just a big fucking goofball. He's a piece yes. of sweet baby. <laughs> What I so I really I really love the way they pose this question though because they find this room with a bunch of TV screens that are just showing the history of the universe and this like eyeball tentacle starts scanning them one by one and so we first scan Star and we see like her All history she's done in in Muni yeah you know just being a little kid and training to fight monsters and running from monsters and you know it's it's cute you know it, it's one of those funny things that happens in a show like this where. Um, she's significantly more mature than a four, than a the straight up fourteen year old, um, mm-hmm. and that's to be expected. She's in a lot of ways, um, you know, she's a vehicle written by adults. And uh, but I like the idea that when she was twelve or thirteen, she had an entire punk like teenage rebellion and is just done with it at four by like by fourteen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. She went through a whole sort of cycles, and by fourteen, she's <laughs> she went know. through a whole teenage years <laughs> at twelve. Uh huh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. She tried out sunglasses and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, the other two that get scanned are both cool reveals. So Marco gets scanned and suddenly we see the whole sad history of his nods with Jackie, which we now learn have started back in like preschool. And all he's ever done is nod at her. And, and he, like him being forced to look at it and reckon with it. He's so crushed. Yeah, it is. They, they do kind of undercut it a little bit. They Disney it up and they explain the moment because it's it's really impactful just seeing his face drop. Yeah. yeah, as he's watching this, it really is affecting. And especially, I think, in contrast, like, if you imagine he doesn't explain, oh, my God, I've been nodding all these years. I've wasted my life. Uh, yeah, I've wasted <laughs> my entire life. Um, that exact sort of um, reveal, the, the, the facial reveal happens on Father Time in the hamster wheel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that's because that's the that's the second one, right? Is that that's when Marco and Star realize that maybe they can't force him back because this guy, like, you watch him just get sadder and sadder the more he's like stuck on this wheel, and they're like, "Oh fuck, damn it! What are we gonna do now?" Uh, which results in a really fun problem solving moment. <laughs> <laughs> they, they cut to him playing with one of the giant time hamsters, and Star says, "I have an idea." Are you thinking and, what I'm thinking? And right. she has built a hamster chariot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marco's so nonplus. Again, he sort of says the joke out loud, but he's like, that's not what I was thinking, but that works. Because, um, yeah, of course, she doesn't put the hamsters in the wheel, but uh, but it's it's really good. He's yeah, like, he sits he's on like, top of the wheel and sort of shepherds, <laughs> you know, guides these these hamsters to sort of run around the time Yeah, like realm. the Iditarod or something. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's really good, but now he's, now he can, uh, he can go around and look at things and, and, and experience things by, uh, you know, he can make the wheel move. And I really like that solution. Um, you know, it wasn't that complex of a problem, but it, it, it was nice that they were able to figure out a way to make father time happy and enjoy life. Uh-huh. Right. And for me, the, the most enticing aspect was seeing while this is happening, there's this like giant crack, what appears to be like a giant crack in the wheel. Yeah. They make this line about how like, and this should be fine and unless something happens. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, th- 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 there is an odd hand waviness with this because uh, they sort of treat it like Star is the first person to stop time, but she can't be because it's in the spell book. Yeah, I'm wondering about book. that yes. too. I know. I think yeah. I think it's a vi- it's a victim of the 11 minute episode. I think. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, or it could be but, that he's not the first person to take on this mantle. You know, sure. Maybe, you know, others have come <laughs> yeah. before him. He know. does have a fun line where she's like, how long have you been doing this? Oh, you know, forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now that he's moving the wheel again, they're like, oh, shit, we don't have time. And uh, Star portals them both back to see just in time for Marco to do his nod with Jackie Lynn Thomas. <laughs> it's another it's another fun weird like over like just sort of it's just a sloppiness from from episode convention where she she could have portaled them at the beginning. Yes. Instead of stopping time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> but no, no. Now she portals and uh Marco Marco, you know, girds those loins up and actually says, "Hey, Jackie." Hey, Marco. Well, see ya. (laughs) And he has like a fucking heart attack about it. And it's cute. But it does, it opens the door. I mean, obviously, we're not going to watch more Star, but it opens the door for Jackie to finally be a character Mm -hmm. um, that we interact with. Because now Marco has like started an interaction with her. But like I said, I I mean, you fall in love with Jackie the second she wants, she's she's eye-fucking his tentacle arm. (laughs) Yes. Like... (laughs) Can I check out that arm? <laughs> <laughs> and it's almost something that I wish they had stuck to with some kind of continuity of of like, you know, he just doesn't have the same confidence anymore without his sweet monster arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, uh, let's let's head over to a wrap up because I want to hear what Austin thinks about this show. Hell yeah. Well, you know everybody what happens at the end of the at the end of the episode. The same thing happens every week because, you know, because time is a linear construct, and because time is a linear construct. That's exactly right, Andrew. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, and I think as customary of the Prince of Time, as the as the handsome Time Prince, <laughs> uh, yes, who will sort of give his give his thoughts about uh, the show that's in, that we're not watching anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. Please um, do. I you know, I think actually I'm going to sort of 180 from that. Uh but no, I mean I th- I think <laughs> no, I th- no, you won't. <laughs> no, I think we've I think we've sort of talked about Star a lot as we've gone through it in the sort of you know, in the larger yeah. sense of it. Um I'm definitely going to watch the rest from here. I'm I'm really interested to see where this goes. Because Good. Yeah, you gotta, I, you gotta really, keep us up to I date. felt really bad stalling you. Uh, yeah, I know. I, same. Because season one is good, but it's not like it's not my it's not what I would call the best part of the show, and it, it felt like torturous disagree. to make you stay. Uh, I I I have I've talked about this with Andy. I liked it. I kind of like the buffiness of the, mm-hmm. the mus- like the lack of continuity is kind of like they're both good. But it kind of switches from Monster of the Week to Myth Arc at some point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think season two remains a nice mix, and I really like season two the most. But, yeah, um, but I feel so, you. I feel you. Uh, just this week, I watched the episode that chronologically happens right after Blood Moon Ball, which is Toffee, the, intro- the fortune cookie introduction of Toffee, 
I, it seemed like that episode of introducing Toffee was important for that character, but it was, you know, like nothing happened, yeah, especially after it's everything going on in Blood Moon Ball, all of this like weird, interesting character stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you just see a nothing episode with, <laughs> yeah, you know, with yeah, the, bird, exactly. the bird monster who shouts with, at, with his, at his minions. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're going to you're going to learn to love Ludo. Haircut bird. Oh, sure. Yeah. Haircut bird. Uh, no, the Toffee stuff, this is their attempt at a, at a myth arc, right? So they, they introduce this character that's important for season one because he's, especially in season one, he's like the main, like, spooky. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they fumble around figuring out how to do long form story for a minute. Um, and then they really get there. So I'm excited for you to continue on. Uh, what about, uh, we're, we're about to move on to, we're going to do a special next week and then we're going to watch three episodes, uh, of, a, a different magical girl show to pair with Sailor Moon. Uh, so for this one, how do we feel about the pairing? How do we feel about uh, Star as a magical girl? Well, so for the first time, I actually feel like we have something to talk about after watching Blood Moon Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and we were just talking about her saying, like, I'm 14, like, I'm a fully grown woman. I can, like, defend <laughs> myself and make relationship decisions. And I feel that is very much in line with yeah. Sailor yeah. Moon. I think uh-huh. to see any sort of like recurring theme, it is really this sort of young women understanding their agency and yeah. understanding this sort of the teenage years as a time to make mistakes. And no, that's to, exactly right. It's right. Like mm-hmm. it's what I was saying where it's like within the within genre convention, it's totally on brand. In the context of like a potentially abusive relationship, it gave me yucky feels. Yeah. Uh-huh. But but no, I I I totally get what you're saying. The uh I I, I love I love Star. I think as it goes on, it's nowhere near like what an anime magical girl generally is, right? Like it lives it lives in its own little No, zone. it's it's a little bit closer to I mean, I think you look at the thing as a whole. It's closer to Gravity Falls than Sailor Moon. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, it's a fun mi- it's a fun middle space to live in. Ha- it really Gravity is. Falls South Sailor Moon is is no oh, good. Is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can somebody can somebody spoil for our audience uh, what the special is that we're watching for next week and the name of the show? Oh, I'd rather not. You don't want to. You don't want to spoil it yet. Okay, we'll no. let that be a fun, a fun reveal because the name of it may be the only thing we like. So stick around next week to find, to find to, out what to that's read the title be. when it when it hits your your when it hits your feet in the morning. Yeah, yeah, because it's a good, it's a good funny. It's a oh, good funny. It's really something. Yeah. So I hope you're enjoying our time with Magical Girls. It's it. This train is a running. <laughs> yeah. And I think what happens at the end of all chronological time as a linear construct (laughs) is that we'll see you next Tuesday.